Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 2. In this series, I travel from LA to Chicago on the Southwest Chief, then from Chicago to New Orleans on both Amtrak's City of New Orleans train and a rail replacement bus. I then travel back from New Orleans to Los Angeles on the Sunset Limited. I also get to travel on the San Joaquins the Coast Starlight and the Pacific Surfliner, in all over 6,300 miles in 14 days. Episode 8, where we travel on the city of New Orleans as far as Carbondale, and we then continue on our journey to New Orleans by rail replacement bus. I'm now sat in Chicago Union Station. We're waiting for the departure of the city of New Orleans, train number 59 on the Amtrak network. Folk singer Arlo Guthrie recorded a famous song of praise to long-distance rail travel in 1972. It goes something like this. Good morning, America. How are you? Don't you know me? I'm your native son. I'm the train they call the city of New Orleans. I'll be gone 500 miles when the day is done. Today, with only minor route changes since 1972, the 926 mile overnight trip still links three of the most important music capitals in America, Chicago, Memphis, and New Orleans. It is fitting that music determines the name of this route because it was in these cities that the blues grew up. Some say the music came from a plantation in Mississippi and journeyed northwest on the train. Others contend that it was born in Memphis and later carried in the other directions. The train route between the Great Lakes and the Gulf of Mexico explores some of the country's most unique and historic regions. We will pass through the Illinois central farmlands, the western corner of Kentucky, the forests of Tennessee, the Mississippi and the famous bayous of Louisiana. Actually, the last part of the journey may be changed because once we get to Jackson, we will have to take an Amtrak throughway bus into New Orleans because flooding has closed the southern end of the route for the current time. I'm going to relax and enjoy this unique view of the fabled American South from my window and also from the observation car where I hope to meet lots of lovely people. We have to eat and have a drink at the Cross Country Cafe and also, for the sleeper passengers, dinner is served in the dining car. The all-day menu includes regional specialities such as red beans and rice, bread pudding dessert and tasty appetizers. Our scheduled departure time is 8.05pm from Chicago Union Station. The train was late into the platform tonight, so I wonder what time we'll actually get away. According to my watch, it's four minutes past eight and I can hear the diesels revving up at the front of the train. The lights are flickering as they change from station power to train power. Yeah. 
On leaving Union Station, the train will head south and we get dramatic views of the towering city skyline, dominated by the Sears Tower, the Daly Centre and the domed Wrigley Building. In 1871, a major fire destroyed the central business district and in 1885, the first skyscraper in the US was constructed in the city. Today, the only surviving example of Chicago's great turn-of-the-century railway stations is Chicago Union Station, completed in 1909, where we will be leaving from in a few minutes. Chicago is one of the largest marketing and transport centers in the Midwest, as well as being one of the largest rail centers in the whole of the United States. The first railway to Chicago opened in 1848. The time is 8.06 p.m., and we are pulling out of Union Station just one minute late. As I walked along the platform this evening, I counted three coach cars before we got to the observation car, the dining car, and then I think that there are two sleeping cars. Before we get to the crew car, the baggage car, and our two large General Electric diesel locomotives on the front of the train. Those locomotives will be powering us through the night and onwards south. The train is now doing some interesting manoeuvres. Having got as far as a bridge by the Chicago River, it's now gone into reverse. Stopped. Slowly going backwards downhill. I wonder if it's our bus to New Orleans from here. Carry sodas, snacks, and sandwiches. Again, I'm located on the upper level of the Dino Lounge, which is located forward of all coaches and the observation car, and to the rear of all sleepers. As a friendly reminder, shoes must be worn at all times when walking about the train, and shoes must be worn when entering a food service car. For your convenience, there are five restrooms. That's five restrooms on the lower level of every coach car. Again, the cafe lounge is open and serving. Apparently the reason for our delay in leaving Chicago and the fact that we're reversing again is because a set of points can't be changed because of a computer fault. I suspect that they're moving us so that we can come out on a different track with a different set of points. But of course that's pure conjecture. I'm being told not to count my chickens until they're hatched, but after 30 minutes of stop and going backwards, stop and going backwards, we're inching forwards. We're now crossing the Chicago River, proceeding in a forwards direction. In front of us, the lights of Chicago are quite magnificent. started to get going now on a rather bouncy bit of track. I'm sat in the dining car for dinner. As you can hear, happy people. The Chicago River, famous as the only river in the world that flows backwards because of its westward course away from Lake Michigan. 
This is because sanitary engineers reversed its flow in the early 1900s in an attempt to prevent a recurrence of epidemics. Although the city had been the first in the US to construct a comprehensive sewage system, it caused a problem with untreated waste flowing into Lake Michigan. Our route passes near to Lake Michigan, which is the largest body of fresh water in the US. After passing some of Chicago's giant steam mills, we cross the Calumet River, flowing into Lake Calumet, one of Chicago's largest harbors. After our delayed departure, we arrived into Homewood, roughly 40 minutes late. Homewood saw over 44,600 passengers in 2017. It's a charming stucco station opened in 1923 with a red-tiled roof and sets the tone for the attractive Chicago suburb in which it is based. It still retains a country town flavour. It is an affluent town with an excellent educational system. The town was named in 1869 after the woods amongst which most residents lived. In the 1870s, country clubs brought in trains just for golfers, leading many families to establish first or second residences here. We left Homewood roughly an hour and ten minutes late. at Kankakee opened in 1898 and is the first of this route's many flag stops. We're reaching it an hour and a quarter late. But 22,900 passengers used the Amtrak services here in 2014. I mentioned that Kankakee is a flag stop and a flag stop is where the train only stops if there are passengers waiting to get on or off. The town is set along the banks of the Kankakee River with an early French influence still prominent in its style. There is ornate stonework. Domes and spires mark many of the town's buildings. Frank Lloyd Wright, one of America's greatest architects, designed two houses in this town. Actor Fred McMurray was born here. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the station stop coming up is Kankakee. If Kankakee is your stop, now it's time to head to the center of the car, down the stairs to the train for Kankakee. Gonna wanna go back to the car that you boarded. Thank you. From here to Rantoul, we pass farms dotting the gently rolling till plains, extending south through Carbondale. Our next station stop and first smoke stop of the night will be Champagne. Once again, if there's no delays, our next station stop will be Champagne in 55 minutes. Thank you. This is part of the Great Corn Belt, extending west from Ohio to Kansas and Nebraska. Corn has been the chief crop of Illinois since the pioneer days and grows on one of every three acres. Illinois also grows more soya beans than any other state. As the night progresses, and you heard the conductor say another 55 minutes, so that will be half past 11, we will get to Champaign-Urbana, where the station opened in 1999 and was used by nearly 178,500 Amtrak passengers in 2014. The Twin Cities are known as Shambana. Although they appear to be one, they have retained their independence. 
Champagne has evolved into a commercial, industrial and technology start-up centre and the hub of the so-called Silicon Prairie, whereas Urbana is college-orientated with much of the University of Illinois within its boundaries. The rock group REO Speedwagon hails from Champaign. As the night gets deeper, we will come to the flag stop at Mattoon Station, which opened in 1918 and saw nearly 43,000 passengers in 2014. It is an industrial community and the service centre for the surrounding farmlands. In 2007, the city was chosen to be the site of the US Department of Energy's future Gen Zero emissions power plant. First Burger King outlet was set up here and registered in 1957. 29,300 passengers used Effingham, another flag stop, in 2014. The town is a small service, manufacturing and transport centre for the small agricultural communities that surround it. It was named after Edward Effingham, who resigned his commission as a general in the British Army in 1775, refusing to serve in the Revolutionary War. In 2014, nearly 26,700 passengers used Centralia Station. It's also another flag stop. The town was founded by the Illinois Central Railroad in 1854. Towering above Centralia's business district is one of the largest Carillions in the world, sporting 65 bells, the largest of which weighs in at 5.5 tonnes. Notable natives include James Brady, former press secretary to President Ronald Reagan and a gun control advocate. Our last stop in Illinois will be Carbondale, where the station opened in 1988 and was used by nearly 130,000 passengers in 2014. We stopped there deep in the night. It lies in the Shawnee Hills region. The land ranges from 300 to 1,065 feet above sea level. The city sits in the midst of extensive coal fields and is home to the Southern Illinois University with a long history of political activism. When I went to bed, I thought we would travel through those stations, plus many more before I got to my breakfast in the morning. How wrong I was. But I'll tell you about all of that when we get to Southern Illinois. Our driver tonight is certainly riding his horn as we make quite rapid progress across the countryside. It is one o'clock in the morning and we appear to have a minor fault with the electrics inasmuch as the lights keep flashing on and off and you can hear them going click, 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 click. It will be interesting to see how long this lasts, but I believe they're trying to sort the problem out. We've just reached Effingham in Illinois, and we're two hours late. It is now 3.55 in the morning. We've been stopped for a fair while. 
but I think the air conditioning's just started up again. So maybe they're getting power back to the train. We seem to be stopped next to another train. I don't know if that's significant for us or whether we've reached a depot somewhere. It is now nearly six o'clock in the morning. We've been stopped for some hours, I think, though I've had some sleep. The light appears to be working properly for the first time in some hours. It is possible that they're getting the fault fixed. It's dawn. Beautiful red sky in the morning. They've just announced that the train will go no further because of power failure and that we're going to be taken onwards by bus. They don't even know what kind. Um, they get whatever they get. Um, it was very short with me, like I was uh, putting, um, putting them out by asking them questions of why we were taken to the middle of Illinois and dropped. They're not even sure what kind of buses we're going to get. And, uh, there is a train, train 390, that will be leaving Carbondale, going to all station points north of Carbondale. If you would like to go back on that train to your originating station and make alternative travel plans or travel on another day with Amtrak, you may make those arrangements inside with the ticket agent at this time. Thank you. I'm going south, because I've got no alternative. And so there is some dissent on the train about the fact that nobody knows what kind of buses or anything it's going to be. They say it's a 10-hour bus ride from here. Apparently the issue is that we've lost power to the cars, so they have no onboard electricity or very minimal onboard electricity, which means features like the toilets cannot function. The engine could proceed, but without power to the cars, it makes it intolerable for the passengers to continue. It's a beautiful morning here in Carbondale. Quite nippy, but the sun is shining. It's a perfect blue sky. And the upside of this is that I probably get to see parts of the route from the bus that I'd have passed through during the night. So every black cloud has that silver lining. Sad thing is I won't be getting down to New Orleans in the style that I hoped that I would be. But that's technology for you, isn't it? There's certainly a can-do attitude amongst most of the passengers I've spoken to. We just make the best of it and enjoy, for the time being, the sights of Carbondale. This is interesting, the waiting room here at Carbondale Station. It's a sign saying no guns on the door. I'm used to no smoking, but no guns? In addition to the no guns sign, there's a no soliciting sign. The coaches took different routes when they left Carbondale, and so we only visited some of the stations that we would have gone through on the train. For completeness, here are the details of the other stations that we should have gone through during the night. 
As the night progresses, we will pass through Cairo, which is pronounced Cairo, a river port at the junction of the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. Early settlers nicknamed this region Little Egypt because the land resembled the Nile River. It was here that General Grant established his Civil War headquarters because it gave him command of the waterways that split the slave and free states. After Cairo, the train will pass into Kentucky. Fulton, Kentucky is the twin city to Fulton, Tennessee. They are separated only by a street that runs through the two towns. It was once known as the Banana Crossroads of the US because the majority of banana shipments to Middle America stopped at Fulton whilst the refrigerator cars were re-iced and the fruit was prepared for distribution. The station was used by a little over 4,000 passengers in 2016. We will then pass through the Kentucky-Tennessee state line. This podcast has been produced by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. I thank the passengers and crew at the City of New Orleans, our rail replacement bus drivers, and especially Amtrak's Camille Mahar and Ashley Bridges, who accompanied us on the buses. You all made this podcast possible. Thank you for listening. Please join me again in two weeks' time.